Welcome to the Inside Scoop Live podcast, where indie authors get personal about their books, their writing, and their passions. I'm your host, Sherry Hoyt. Join me for some lively conversations with debut indie authors and seasoned veterans alike. It's a great place to find your next amazing read or even get inspired. So sit back and enjoy the show and let me know what you think. Hi, everyone. Maddie Silver joins us today to talk about his book series called Dark School, a Select Your Path or Choose Your Own Adventure series where readers are students of the Dark School, a school of the occult arts. And we'll get into more about the series when we talk to Maddie, but first let's find out the inside scoop on the author. Maddie Silver has been storytelling for most of his life. He loves working, reading, writing books, and creating worlds for himself and others to immerse themselves within. A lover of film, comic books, fantasy, and anime, he takes it upon himself to combine all the best ideas and present them to the world like a master curator of fine taste and limitless free time. Besides his endless energy and eclectic taste in everything, Maddie loves nothing more than reading everything except speed limit signs and expiry dates on his government documents. To learn more about Maddie and his work, visit his website at evwpress.com. Well, hi, Maddie. Welcome to Inside Scoop Live. Hey, nice to be here. I've read a couple of your books. I'm excited to talk with you about them today. Uh, Before we get started, why don't you tell us a little bit about your writing journey? You know, what inspired you to become an author? What made you actually sit down and want to write a book? I just, I've been telling and reading stories for, God, years, like almost all my life, Hmm. you know? So I had friends, still have them. They're great people. And they said, you should write that. I said, okay, (laughs) I will. And then I did. And it was so horrible that I had to spend another four years just learning how to write. So (laughs) then after that, finally wrote a first book. And then things got a lot easier and editors helped so much. Yeah, yeah. Did you ever go back and look at your first work and either confirm or deny whether it was really as bad as you first thought? Oh, it's terrible. I, I can see it from here. It's under. It's in like a binder format. It was so bad, my editor wouldn't finish editing it. He says, you got to redo this whole thing. Oh, wow. So I keep that as a reminder that, yeah, I started off really terrible. Yeah. I like that, though, because you can kind of, you know, note your progress on how you're developing as an author. So, yeah. And it, who- it doesn't bother me. It is what it is, right? Yeah, yeah. Who knows? Maybe you'll go back and rewrite that story one day. Oh, no, it's out. Oh, okay. It has been rewritten (laughs) at least 10 times because that's how bad I was. Oh, okay. Wonderful. Mage World was the very first one. So is that part of the series we're going to talk about today? No, unfortunately. Okay. We've got Dark School on the mind. Ah, okay. Well, a talk for another time. So for right now, tell us about your Dark School series. What is it all about? Okay. So you're a student of occult arts. You know magic exists, and you're going to learn to use them. Depending on where you start in the series, depends on what power level you want to be at. So Neophyte, the first one, you start off as kind of like a learner. Mm. And from there, there's a lot of growth that you can go through. And Mark of the Adept, you start off actually as an adept, where you're already fairly knowledgeable. You've worked with a lot of these things, and you just want to sort of perfect yourself. The very last one, of which it is right in front of me here, it's called Work of the Magus. That one is not a standalone, unfortunately. You can't read that one and 
understand it easily unless you've read at least one or all of the other dark school works. That's the one where you become a master. So it depends on your power level. Depends on what you want. And you can start anywhere. It won't kill you. Okay. You also have a prequel to the series? Yeah, that was the original number one. That one is how the story got started. How the school got reformed. You start off as a grandchild inheriting a property from your grandfather. He's passed on. And he started the dark school technically, but it didn't work out for him. All of his students turned on him. They all had to die. You meet them too. <laughs> and, and so you have the task of going in and just finishing what he began. It all ties together. Okay. Yeah. It's so interesting. So, oh, I guess we should let listeners know that this is a choose your own adventure series. Um, mm -hmm. I did two reviews for your series, The Path of the Neophyte and Mark of the Adept. And those were my very first choose your own adventures, believe it or not. In all my years of reviewing books, those were my very first. So I, it was indeed an adventure for me. I didn't know what to expect. So tell us a little bit about writing choose your own adventure. Like what got you into writing in that format? Honestly, it was more of an accident. Me and my lady, she's amazing. <laughs> she picked up a show on Netflix called Dark of all things. It's a German show. And if you watch it, what it does is it follows, even trying to describe it, because it's German, it's over-engineered, so there's so many layers to it. Mm. That, uh, And I recommend everyone watch it. It's fantastic. It's just it's a show that follows numerous characters, and they're all given essentially equal screen time. So you choose who you want to be the main character when you're watching this. If there's a lot of time travel and it's overcomplicated. If you want, just look up the Wikipedia and see like the spoilers. You won't be able to read them because they're so in-depth. It's just a long list of things that are happening. And it was the actual inspiration for a lot of this. Wow. The show Dark. So that's why it's called Dark School. That's a tribute to that show. Interesting. Now, to me a choose your own adventure, mystery, thriller, whatever genre you're writing it in, that seems like it would be a, so much harder to write than just a, for lack of a better word, regular novel. <laughs> what was the difficulty level? Like, had you written a regular, a regular book before you started writing this choose your mm -hmm. own? Yeah. Yeah. All of them are regular except for these ones, but it wasn't that hard. I mean, if you think about it, even me and you, we're two people talking right now. We both had a lot to do before we came just hours before to this podcast. So those are all different options. Mm -hmm. Now they're starting to intersect with each other. And soon there will be a list of things like, you know, will you answer her question? Will you suddenly leave the podcast? You know, like, like <laughs> things that you can do, right? You just add the options in and everyone naturally goes through hundreds of options a day. We just pick one and assume that's part of our day. But in reality... We're all doing so much and only reacting to a small amount of it. So this just allows you to sort of slow down, show how many things you can react to, because believe it or not, Path of the Neophyte was much bigger. I didn't stop writing until my one of my editors said, you got to slow down because we can't bind this. <laughs> wow. Remember the picture with the briefcase? Yeah. That, all of those had numbers beside them at one point. Oh, like, Wow. It's made me very sad. I actually deleted it completely so that I wouldn't think about it. Oh, but no. there were options for each one of them. 
Oh yeah, I I know that's hard as a writer to to cut out some because it's your hard work. You put a lot of effort into that, so I can only imagine. Path of the Neophyte was longer than Mark of the Adept, though. Is that right? Well, when well when you're a student and you're a beginner student, you have a lot more options. Yeah, you have a lot more room to grow, so you have to kind of make it available. Whereas when you're becoming more, when you're like let's say a master carpenter. You know, you've put in 10,000 hours into your trade. You've trained other people. Now it's take up either another trade or keep doing what you're doing, mm. right? So masters do a little bit less than students do. Students have a lot more options. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, it was long, but it wasn't overwhelming to me. So, But just knowing how much you cut out is interesting, yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't know when to stop. I thought it was going great. Well, well, I think that's the hardest part as an author is like, when do I stop? You know, and I guess, you know, you just got to listen to your editor, put the pen down or put the keyboard away or, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. My editors are fantastic. God bless them. So listening to them, I trust them entirely. Yeah, that's good. That's important, too, to have an editor that you trust. So how did all the options unfold? Like, and I don't even know if you can articulate this, but like, did you have a scene in mind? And then so you wrote the scene and then and then come up with like different ways the reader can go from there. Like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's exactly. It. I mean, if you notice when you're reading, there are certain parts of the text that look uh, like almost blockish, not the codes, but just a description of like a talisman or something along those lines. Right. Or a ritual. Those are real. Those come from 17th and 14th century manuals. Mm. Just took them, pasted it in and said, what would this look like? If I had the option to do this and it worked, how wow. would it work? And that was it. Just went through all those books and kind of mined them. Wow. So let's just take, um, I'm just trying to wrap my head around all the work involved because to me, it sounds like a lot of work. You make it sound easy the way you're telling me about it, but to me, it, it's not easy. So do you have like, so the same scene, you have that scene and then you have all these different paths you can take. Do you have like a master copy somewhere of all the options for this scene and all the options for that scene? And, or do you just let it flow? Yeah, I, you know what I'm saying? No master. Yeah. 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 A lot of people ask that. And the only master copy, I guess, would be in my mind. Mm. Just kind of go with it. Right. How much can I do with this? Let's say magical technology of some kind. What would happen if we use this and how many different options would you have? And normally what ends up happening, you have to trim them down because a book, unfortunately, can only hold so many pages. So no master copy that I'm aware of. Okay. So I guess if you had to describe yourself, do you map out the whole story? Are you a plotter or what they call a panster? You just sit down and write and whatever comes out happens. Both. Yeah. Both. No story or world that has ever been created through me has ever not had an ending. It will never go on forever if I'm the one in charge. It will always have a definite stop point. Whatever happens in between can be adjusted, but it will make it to those goals. Mm -hmm. So each of your novels have an ending. And if you take a path and you come to a definite ending, it does say so in your book. Your books have many endings. And then it's up to you to as the reader to go back and choose another path and you can do that as often as you want. It almost feels like there are limitless choices. I know you do have 
limited choices, but it almost feels limited because you can get as much or as little as you want out of the story. Yeah, of course, right? But that's organized too. There are only really four types of endings. The good ones, the better ones, the best ones, and then you die. Those are the four meanings. Other than that, there's no other types of endings. Yeah, because I've picked a couple where I've died, and I'm like, no, I don't want to die. <laughs> so I had to go back and choose another path, you know. It's like, oh. So it was a lot of fun, in other words. You know, you're, you're making all these choices, and then and then you die, and it's like, no! You know, so it, it was a lot of fun to read both of your books. I will say that. How do you keep it? Now, it's a series, so you went from, like, the first one, student, to having a little bit of power, to your final book where you become the master how do you keep it interesting as a series because of what you're going to engage in doing mm-hmm. if i told you right now that you know you were a child once like myself and we had toys that we probably really liked and places that we liked to visit and if i gave you all those toys and i gave you access to all those places and you could go and use them whenever you want. It wouldn't feel the same as it did when we were six or seven. Mm. So you just age the person as they go through. It doesn't remain fun to do the things that a child does, to have the problems a child does. So we become adults and we have adult problems and we have adult situations and those become more interesting. It's the same thing. You're just taking someone and slowly aging them. Mm-hmm. giving them more you get more responsibility now the choices you do are going to become more in depth like adept was good because it was a little more wild neophyte because the options were all over the place mm-hmm. but you make it to the master level now everything really matters and it all depends on you and there's no real leeway the endings are very very definite there and you have to already come in with some prior knowledge because you can't it is not standalone So there's more of an investment. It's for people who really enjoy the series and want to see what they can really do with it. Yeah. And that makes sense because as the reader, you are the main character. And so it's kind of like character development in a way almost. You know, you're developing your character as you go on in the series. So that makes sense. Yeah. What kind of reaction have you had from your reading audience? What do people enjoy most about the series Has anyone had any challenges with it? Tell me a little bit about the response you have from your reading audience. Well, most of the audience are about closer to my age because they remember Choose Your Own Adventure. Not too many are being made, though many are being reprinted. And so it brings them kind of back to the past. Other ones, and this is actually something interesting that I've had a few mothers come up where they have children who are a little more indecisive, you know, where they have trouble making decisions. Mm -hmm. Give them these books where they're forced to actually choose. I mean, technically, being indecisive is a decision, so they're always (laughs) making a decision. But it seems to help at that level, too. But, I mean, fans have come out of the woodwork of all ages. I've been selling at conventions for over a year now, and it's rare I go home heavy, you know? Yeah. People really respond well to this. I feel like these books would do well at, like, a Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. Uh, We've been to many of them. Yeah, I can also see it as uh, well. Yeah, so I'll have to I'll have to look up that series that you talked about because I'm like because I can see these books being a kind of series. But then, how would you choose your own adventure on TV? 
it's interesting, but it, but it has the kind of writing to me that would develop like a huge kind of fan base, like almost like groupies, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> well, I should only hope so, I guess. <laughs> but just the writing, I mean, that that's kind of the, like when I was reading, that's kind of the feeling I got. It's like, oh my gosh, I could see like, you know, fan, and I don't know what they call them. I'm, not, I'm sure it's not groupies, but you know, like the Star Wars fans and, and yeah. people like that. So I call them groupies. Have you seen bad bad thing to call somebody? <laughs> That's right. That's right. Now, you mentioned a little while ago the illustrations, or one of the illustrations, and I just have to say the illustrations are amazing, and amazing does not even do them justice. How did you find your illustrator, and, and what is it like working together to bring your stories to life? Because they do come to life with those illustrations. She is one of the most wonderful humans on the face of the planet. I was literally born to work with this lady. Talked with her yesterday. We're doing a comic together right now. And it's the third volume. Once that's done, we're going to be submitting it. Mm. But I work perfectly with this person. I, I don't know if she feels exactly the same way, but it's just <laughs> really easy. It's never much of a conflict. We understand each other perfectly. There are even times where, and this is, happens a lot, where you know, I have an idea in my head. It might even be a very well thought out idea and she'll draw something completely different so that's perfect um, half the time i just let her do whatever she wants anyway she's the artist i'm not so whatever she decides is how the world's going to come into being whereas unless it's really off mark which it rarely is just let her do her thing mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know why stifle talent you know a river's a river if you let it flow otherwise i've got a dam you know yeah the illustrations and the writing, they just, they absolutely mesh together perfectly. And of course, you know, as with any illustrations, they tell their own stories and they expand upon the writing, in my opinion, but they really are amazing. I just don't know. You want to give her a shout out or? Oh, Miss Serena. Yeah. She's very, very shy. Really nice lady. She loves bubble tea. That's what we get whenever we get together. She lives in the big city. I live in a small town. So we're a little bit of a distance away from each other. But Miss Serene Luchik, she is probably my favorite artist on, on the planet. Yeah. Yeah. I can't see myself working with anyone else. She's done the majority of the covers. Maybe almost all of them, I think, except one for all of the books that we've ever done. It just... It's hard to even imagine working with somebody else when this is just a perfect relationship. If it's not broke, don't fix it, right? Exactly. It yes, yeah. very much so. Yeah. Well, again, they are just amazing and well done. So what do you like to read and which authors have inspired your own writing? You kind of mentioned a TV series. Were there any books that you've read as a child that you look back on and does that have any influence on your writing today? Not sure about influence, but yes. There were numerous authors. Man, Michael Crichton was one of them when I was very young. Mm -hmm. I started reading very early. I mean, my household is, I'm a first generation. So pushing the children to learn at a young age was, it's all you did, you know? <laughs> I didn't get to always watch TV. I had to do a lot of homework at home, yeah. so to speak, you know? So we're always, and, and when it's because I picked up reading so quick, my parents were very, very happy with that. And they just bombarded me with, I swear to you, like when I was young, you'd have piles 
piles of books. Like I could make a fortress, <laughs> you know, and just had so many of them. So Michael Crichton was one Dragonlance series. So Margaret Weiss, Tracy Hickman, they were a lot of my childhood. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if you know the Dragonlance series, but it's like a D&D thing, you know, fantasy and such. Oh, yeah, yeah. After that, Tolkien did a little bit. C.S. Lewis, some. Don't know if it was any author who inspired. It was more of friends. Friends who I was, who I still are, not who I was close to, who I am close to now. Mm-hmm. They're like brothers. And, you know, my part in the group was to tell stories when we were on the train, going from one place to another or going on a plane or just, you know, we wake up in the morning. I'd probably already be awake. And then my friend would get up and he'd start continuing the story. He'd pop a beer and be like, go. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so it would just go on like this for years until finally they said, you know what? You might as well write these down. So we all wrote together. EVW, each one of those is an initial representative of uh, a different a different friend. Oh. So V is me. Okay. Yeah. Nice. I was wondering about that because it's a very specific press name or publication name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I love that story. There's got to be a storyteller in every group, huh? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I think about my grandmother's like, oh, my God, she had amazing stories. I wish I wrote down all of her stories, you know. <laughs> can, you, you, can you remember them? You know, I was so young that I've tried and I don't know, maybe they'll come to me one day. Maybe not. But it was just like I didn't realize the gold mine that she was, you know, at yeah. that at that period of my life. So. But it's interesting that, I mean, some people are just storytellers. So what do you like to do outside of writing? Oh, reading. Yeah. Reading. Always reading. Of course. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have any plans for future writing projects? What are you working on now? Can you share a little bit with us? Sure, sure, sure. Well, right now, just working on marketing side of the books. So it's kind of stalled the writing process for a bit. But there's already, most of these stories are completed, right? Finishing the Mage World series. I mean, I turn my head to the right, I see my green book, which has all kinds of rough notes for how these worlds start and end. Mm -hmm. I'll probably, maybe if I have my way, write about four, eight, maybe up to 10 more books, but then that'll be it. Mm. There's a plan to terminate, to stop after a little while. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, I guess as you're learning, because you mentioned the marketing versus the writing, it is a full-time job almost to do both. So I'm sure it's hard to do it all at once. And, but I've heard a lot of authors say the same thing, you know, they'll write one book, market that book, plan, you know, plan a period of marketing and then kind of be writing the other one in the background or have thoughts about it. But it's hard to market and write at the same time, I imagine. I'm not sure how anyone would actually do that because you have to think so differently when you're a writer it seems easier you're just in yourself and you're working more or less by yourself the structure is there you have editors sometimes illustrators and it makes sense then you got to go do marketing and that's a whole other way of thinking it it took a lot for me to took almost a year to get good at you know selling at conventions going to shows you learn about the different rules and how you have to act with people and stuff like that you know what i mean like you're learning a whole other trade absolutely and and it's okay it went good but then after that it's like okay i did that now what yeah (laughs) you know now i don't know (laughs) i have no idea what i'm doing 
I know it's well, it's definitely a learning curve. And I feel like that gets better with each book. Because um, like you said, you're gaining experience with each ventures. And I feel like a lot of authors are introverted. So to be able to go to shows like you do and put your work out there and talk to people, it sounds really intimidating. But I'm sure once you're out there and you get going and talking to people, I mean, your books are your passion. So it's probably easier than a lot of people think when they're first starting out. Yeah, the introversion, it fades. <laughs> yeah. After you do things a hundred times, you just, okay, now I've done this. You know, now we've done that. It's just like any of anything. You do it a whole bunch of times and then it becomes easy. Yeah. Or easier. Yes, easier. Yeah, absolutely. Is there anything you wish you knew when you started out writing that you can pass along to the up and coming or aspiring authors? Hmm. I mean, it all depends on what they're having struggles with, right? Because the big thing you just have to do is finish. Don't think about anything. Just put it on the paper. Let the editor sort it out or sort it out yourself later. But just don't stop working. You know, like, but that's not a problem for me. Like, I once a goal is set, I go towards it. Unless I get killed, mm. it's going to get finished, right? <laughs> so it's not even sure if that's a good piece of advice because it's what's necessary, you know? No, I think that's actually good advice because, you know, a lot of times writers will get stuck. You know, there's the blank page syndrome, there's writer's block, there's perfectionism. Oh. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. 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 So like, how do you solve that? That's yeah. actually a simple fix. You don't write for you. Okay. You write for the person who loves to read what you write. Mm. You write for that person and it's what, not so much what you say or how you say it, but how they read it and hear it. You know, uh -huh. I have an amazing friend I'm lucky to have, and he's my almost opposite to me in every way. He's not as laid back. He's more, you know, perfectionist type. Uh -huh. And he was the one who actually said this, like, don't write for yourself. If you want to write for yourself, keep it as a hobby. You're writing for an audience. Think of how they will read it. It has to be perfect for them. If it's just perfect for you, fine, but only make it for you then. If you make it for them, then perfection changes. And then all of those pressures drop off because it's not you anymore. It's for some soul who exists in the world who will later dive into your work or the world that you create. And it has to be for them instead of just for you. The moment that that happened, it became very easy. Doing stuff for others takes all the pressure off because you're just thinking about them. It's a nice thing. Yeah, that is a good way to put that because it releases you of all the expectations that you might have. Mm -hmm. So it allows you to create new ones based on other people's feedback rather than just your own because yeah. you're always going to see your faults. It's never going to stop. Yeah, I love that. I love that way of looking at things. That's that's that will be a new way for me to look at things. So <laughs> are you writing something? I've started multiple things but i have not finished for for reasons we've just discussed so mm. you know but you know going into it with a different mindset yeah so well let me know when it's out i'll pick up a copy <laughs> okay all right it'll be a while but <laughs> i'll be here yep maddie i just wanted to say thank you for coming on the show today and for sharing with our listeners a little bit about yourself and your work it's really been an interesting conversation i've enjoyed learning more about you Oh, thanks. Thanks for letting me do this. Thank you for joining me today for my interview with Maddie Silver, author of the Dark School series. To learn more about Maddie and his work, visit his website at evwpress.com. 
and be sure and check out our other interviews on InsideScoopLive.com.